Welcome to Driven by Design, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design, one car, one conversation at a time. With a continuing conversation with, I'm going to say an old friend now, certainly of the host, and of, I, I hope I'm one of his old friends now here too. Uh, yes. We'll start with Brian Thompson, who knows all these people. Hey, Brian. Hi. I'm so glad we're doing part two because part one was much fun, and there's just so much to learn and like share. And we've got, you know, my, the the guru of car design, as I consider him, certainly my mentor and a mentor to many young designers. I'm not a young designer anymore, but I'm saying <laughs> younger ones. Tom Matano, former head of Mazda Design and creator of the Mazda Miata RX-7, 929-626, all of those organic, beautiful proportion-based vehicles of the 90s that um, really put Mazda on the map as a company that had a soul. Welcome, Tom, back, and I'm glad you could hang around for part two here. Yeah, thank you. you thank it, you both. In the break, you were trying to explain to me, a non-designer, how you design, and you said something that we just, we got to spend a few minutes talking about, perspective. Yeah. You okay, don't design so. from the perspective out looking in, even as something as simple as a door handle. You don't just look at it and say, how do I make that better? You try and become the door handle. You get inside the, the, that thing. How does it feel? Look at the world from the perspective of the door handle. Talk about that. Yeah, most designers just design looking onto the subject and design it from, you know, just the styling of the thing. I rather become a door handle, for example. I knew the mechanism, how it works, how it opens, how much of a load you need to open it properly. So I became a door handle, and I'm on the on the side, you know, on the door, and watching this hand coming towards you, and grab your uh, door handle. Grab anyway. you and try and caress you and convince you to <laughs> yeah. open here. Or, or squeeze Sound you like or a bad push dream. you or whatever. <laughs> If you communicate it properly, the, what the mechanism do, and you know the move properly, then then that door handle functionally works better, but also lasting a long time because no uh, wrong loading on the mechanism, so the mechanism will last a long time. If you communicate it wrongly, that people put extra energy or extra load onto it or twist it in a wrong way and the mechanism is going to break sooner. So overall, if you design it this way, it's more genuine and more truthful and also lasts a long time, not visually, but also functionally. So how do you become the door handle? Is this some sort of uh, method acting where you become a, a, a tire for a day and you roll around the room yeah. and try and see what it feels you, like? you got to feel it. You, gotta, <laughs> you, you have to imagine right, right? <laughs> Like, like uh, I got asked this question, okay, I'm the writer, like a newspaper. What, right. what should I do? I said, well, you be the newspaper. So you have to think my weight of the paper is good enough to hold it in your hand, but not, you know. Not drop it. Yeah. It will be crumble or drop or whatever. Can't hold the shape, which is no good. Or if you're looking at this person squinting their eyes means your fonts may be too small or your typeface is not right. Or if you're looking at this senior citizen reading your paper, and then you have to make it larger font to make them accommodating it. Or people look at not the headline, but go to the somewhere else means your layout of the headlines and stuff is not right. So 
that's how you think of, you know. But you, you're not looking newspaper. in at the newspaper. You're like the print looking back up at the reader. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. So whatever and, I you know, design, you think I always, always have to have that one scrutiny of being inside of what it is. What do you say, Brian? A great example, a great example of what Tom is talking about, too, even, even outside of automotive design, is if you ever walk up to a door in a building and you don't know whether you're supposed to push or pull it, yeah. uh, and it usually has a sign to tell you, yeah, that sign yeah. is a sign of failure of the design. Because what he's saying is that if somebody is thinking of themselves as the door handle when they're designing it, it'll be obvious to the user how to use it. Um, and, and that's really what, what, what comes out of his, this idea, is that it, a good design tells you how to use it. So I'm going to give you an example then. Uh, one of the only aspects I ever did design in my life was I built and owned a bunch of bars and restaurants. And we had to become the bar. We had to, in that certain time, I never thought of it that way. But I always said a good bar or a good restaurant, you can see a bad design versus a good design in one test. When they walk in the door, if they instantly go somewhere then if, if there's a flow to it, if they know ex- they just naturally go to this next place, then that's a good design. But when they come in the front and they don't know, there's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I can go left, I can go right, do I step back? Right. And suddenly they freeze because they don't know what to do next. That's a bad that's design. Exactly right. So same thing that when we do a graphic design page layout and you stood at the corner of the paper looking at this whole field ahead of you, you know, I call it my ants theory because your ants landed there and which way to go. <laughs> but if ants know how to walk around, see the information, like, you know, <laughs> walking around the garden, and that happened to be a good graphic design. Interesting. All right. So, so how? You, so well, I, I like that bar idea in a restaurant. I mean, yeah. exactly right. You walk up to the, open the door and see what. And naturally, you guide you to where you need it to go. That's great, but a lot of restaurants are not. They don't. Uh, there were the yeah. famous. There was a terrible example up in Hollywood, the House of Blues. It had so much overwhelming stuff. You could see the bar, you could see the band, you could see all the cool <laughs> stuff all over the place, and you froze because oh. you didn't know what yeah, to do next. Throw it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what, Paul? The that idea that Tom's talking about it, it translates from objects, but also to the entire vehicle. Um, oftentimes, when we're working on a vehicle, uh, we'll be designing a vehicle that we we wouldn't we are not the buyer of that vehicle. We're not the intended audience. And so, one of the ways that you get to create something meaningful to that type of person is you'll be sent out to live the life of that type of person. You said that. I couldn't believe that, that they actually make you live that role for, like an actor preparing for a part. Yeah. Yeah. Not every car company does this, but definitely is. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. Nissan does Um, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, for... Go ahead. Yeah. We we talk about there early on about a convertible, so we had a Japanese designer from headquarters to work with us in California studio. Right. He never really driven or experienced. <laughs> of course not. He doesn't like them. He's just yeah. been instructed to make one. <laughs> so we bought one. We bought the used Triumph and gave it to him as a company car for a whole year to learn how to yeah. live with it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I was working on the, uh, the Nissan NV van. Um, if you for the people that listen to this that do know me, I am not a hands-on build-in-a-shop kind of guy. But for the, for the research phase of that program, I was. I went out with plumbers. I got to, like, build buildings. I got to, like, I got calluses on my hands. Unbelievable. And I was like, 
I was like, this is really hard work. I'm so glad I'm going back to the studio after this. <laughs> but like, <laughs> How long did you go out into, into, into uh, this research? I mean, uh, where's, uh, where's Brian? Oh, he's out building, uh, he's out working with a plumbing team or building a house because he wants to understand how they're going to use the, what they need and how they're going to use this. You know, it depends. Like, I was doing a project for Volvo uh, Long Haul Trucks, and th- for that one, I lived with the truck drivers and learned to drive a truck. So that one, I was, like, out for about two months. I did five different drivers. Oh, my goodness. And we went all over the country, like, everything from, like, delivering cattle to, like, to, you know, to, to Walmart deliveries. And I'll tell you what, like, what I learned about that, about the, the life of the truck driver was so profound it absolutely changed every perception i have of designing an interior for a truck so it, so it's like it's exactly what tom is saying but you can expand it to so many different levels you know you you become the object that you're designing but you become the person that's going to use that object yeah both well. there's two different pers- two different again perspectives looking at it from the the handle outward to those reaching towards me like please don't grab me this way please don't pull me this way <laughs> And then, and then the person grabbing the handle, who's going to be using that handle, how how do they, they please don't fight me, handle, please don't make me do this because I don't, I got four things in my hand and I can't make the handle turn this way. It, it's almost like a dialogue between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we um oh, wanted that's, to, to that's we'll, exactly move right. on to one story, but well, really quickly here, just because it's funny. Yeah. Um, right. And that Volvo project, we, the driver spent a lot of time stopping at um, strip clubs. Uh, and so I would go to the strip club, and the thing I noticed was that these women were so dexterous at f- holding themselves up with friction by their legs. and, and Yeah, and grabbing I, the pole yeah. and turning themselves upside yeah. down or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so I designed an entire storage system based on that concept where the shelves just held onto the pole with friction, <laughs> and, and that was the storage unit in the vehicle. <laughs> You, just, and, you never know where it's And when I was trying to convince the world there's no value in strip clubs, here you go. You just found something, <laughs> some value in the, the, the lessons I learned at a strip club here. All right, well, that's, that's amazing to me how, how it translates over. So today... But that, that is only Brian can do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was working for you at the time, so I have to say I learned it from you, but I just expanded it to outer space. <laughs> I don't think he knew how you were spending your time here necessarily, but uh. well, I, I think you, you expanded the horizon on that whole philosophy. <laughs> friction. Hmm. Yeah. I got new ideas for friction. But you know, for example, I've designed a lot of uh, being in radio. I've designed lots of studios, and I find myself I can I can visualize what I want, but until I set it down and put my hands on it, then I go. Oh, that's not going to work. That's too far away, or that pushes too hard, or that's not—that's not in my line of sight. I need to it, somehow. I got to touch it before I can really decide how to put it together. And, yeah, and so yet, ergonomic. Yeah. Now the the technology of computer graphics visualizations. I mean, you can all do that before even spending all the money building it, as long as you know how to use the tool, how to visualize it. You know how to experiencing it. Yeah, right. Um, Talk about that. Uh, that's is that change design that I can literally go into a 3D room, and through artificial intelligence, I can like a holodeck on Star Trek. I'm a Star Trek fan. <laughs> it can come to life. This and I can somehow feel and see it around me, and suddenly start to say, "Oh, that's not going to work," or "Oh, that's." No, oh. I mean to some extent, but I think again, still you have to know how to look for what to look for. You have to 
you know, invent a new tool to get you what you want to do. I feel like mm -hmm. I can do more with the new tools for, you know, a lot of reasons. Like if I'm designing tiny little knob or switch, in the past it's the actual size. You had to draw in an actual size. But today you can make it magnifying that 100 times, even though the, the parts may be uh, only, you know, the half inch wide or something, but you could make it 20 feet wide and tweak the whole curvature of whatever you are designing. So but let me ask you a question. I'll put this to Brian. Um, so, but I can see it in a 3D room, but can I feel it? For example. So, yeah, go ahead. I know what you're, gonna, I know what you're saying. The, so, in the, it's funny because right after this uh, interview, I'm heading down to uh, Menlo Park to, to have a virtual reality review of a car I'm working on right now. With <laughs> there you client. go. <laughs> so, it's, per, it's perfect timing. So, when you, what happens is you put on a helmet. And you go and you basically leave the world you're in, and you are in a fictional environment, which right. is very realistic. At this point, there's no haptic feedback. Haptic feedback means if you touch something, you get the feedback of it having a surface. Yeah. So you don't have that, but what you do have, and I think Tom, I'd love to hear Tom talk about this, because there are certain environments that I don't like because they make, they affect the way I review the vehicle. Like one of the environments is a dark suburban neighborhood with one street light and and trees at night and every time i go in there i get freaking scared because <laughs> it looks like freddy krueger's neighborhood yeah and so then I, i'm like i'm like get me put me in like beverly hills or put me like in a park somewhere yeah anyway, and then they do they get me out of there but tom have you have you felt that too in the virtual environment uh well not that I haven't come across that really real to make you scare or, <laughs> or creepy or whatever or something or yeah. odd or. Well, I'm dramatic, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I could see that. But I so but for example, when I do a, a I, I'm an old school radio guy, so I have a an, a physical mixing board, and it has a re each of the knobs has a resistance mm -hmm. to it. The sliders right. as I go up right. or down and move has a resistance to it. And I'm used to that right. feel. And, and it's that's how I play the instrument, right? Right. But if I, uh, all more and more, they're trying to just make them on glass. It's a piece yeah. of glass that has a vis. Yeah. So I touch the glass and, and the sliders go up. But yeah. it doesn't have the same feeling. I, no. I can't work that way. Well, again, you knew all the frictions and way that each knob works and each even different deck got a right. different feeling. Right. But... Maybe kids today never had that differentiation growing up, all touching the glass anyway. Yeah, right. See, that's the fear that I have is that all the sensitivity we learned and we grew up with may not be continue way things are going unless they are exposed to it. Let me give you another example, and, and I'm not, this isn't from my own personal experience, but I have friends that are really into horses. And they say, I, a horse to me is just overwhelming. I stand, sit on it, and I'm, I'm frightened. I don't know what to do. This big, powerful. And, but it's all through touch. And it's that communication between rider and horse yeah. where you start yeah. to convey turn or you convey fear or you convey confidence or you convey all these things. It's so subtle, the interaction between horse and rider. And once you create that connection, it's very personal. The horse knows the rider and knows exactly yeah. what to do. Yeah, yeah, just squeeze a little bit, then go faster, or, yeah. you know, all the subtleties, yeah, yeah. Could yeah we, you just yeah. described what the future of autonomous driving is going to be. That's like. what I'm just getting at. Are we going to get that that personalized, where the car, the vehicle is going to know me that well, and, and, and my how to adjust to me that easily? Yeah, people uh, say driving, and they think steering well, but it's different than that. Go ahead, Tom. 
No, 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 no. Just there are two types. One is totally autonomous, that you know, blocking all that thing to you, so right. you're just being in the inside of the vehicle. Right. It's a bus. Versus, it's a whatever. Yeah. yeah. Then certain brand that was insisted on driver field experience is important. That brand, they will continue tuning, discovering the new uh, technology to convey those messages. So I can create that kind of bond with the vehicle. I'm sure. Well, we have to. Because <laughs> that's my no, fear. No, I mean, to, yeah. it, no, no, it is. It is that you know a lot of the work I do um, for OEMs, meaning a large car company, is about what is it going to feel like in the future yeah. uh, for a particular brand, for the rider driver, if you will. To experience that brand, what differ, what's going to differentiate a Honda from a from a Volkswagen in a world where there is no steering wheel? And the conversations and the development is all around that. Um, this is a great example. Like in the in the 1800s, uh, a cowboy, a drunk cowboy leaving a bar, could get home because his horse knew the way. His horse knew the way. And his yeah. horse was sensitive to him, but. When the horse went away, we invented drunk driving. And the future of that is more like the horse is going to become the AI. It, it'll take care of you. It'll look out for you. It'll know the way home. But to be sensitive to time here, because we're coming in, I really yes. want Tom to talk a bit about two things, or one or two things. Okay. Um, I really love his idea on what makes a car a classic car. And I'd love to hear your story, Tom, about surfaces and uninterruption. Um, yeah, and talk, you talk about in one of the videos you guys did about what... If, you're, if your hand strikes something and stops, just like if your eye strikes something and stops, that's a bad design. Well, I don't say bad design, but not going to be lasting that long. It just the time-lasting design is that much more simpler. For the other one, I don't know, Brian, remember or not, but you're, you're, the rain man theory, the raindrop theory, when the mm -hmm. raindrop on the roof... And not knowing how to go down to the side of the car, mm -hmm. that means it's not really a timeless design. But a good design always guides you for the raindrop to go through the window, you know, the, the A-pillar, whatever, go to the hood and how you're going to go down. And these are the kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a good timeless thing. Is it a flow? Is it a natural yeah. flow that keeps going, yeah. an endless yeah feeling because cars are supposed to yeah. feel like just get on the road and endlessly go you know or, or yeah. a water drop is supposed to just yeah. go down yeah T touching a hand raindrop give you more specific way uh it's all the same thing as long as your designs are naturally organized if some details are too close to each other then blocking the passage you know you can't really get raindrop to go through or hands to go through those are the part of the red flag in a way of not lasting alone. This sounds very Eastern to me. This, this is like the, the, the chi in your body, the uh, flowing yeah, through yeah, your yeah, body. Yeah. If there's any blockage, that's where the problem is. That's exactly the acupressure is the same thing, right? It's right. Just, the whole Chinese medicine is to get your blood going through. Right. Uh, I think yeah, you're right. I never thought of it that way, but that's like pretty much like good long-lasting design is always that. You know, if you look yeah, at all the yeah. samples, this, this, you know, building, or it's always like that. Anything that blocks you or stops you, there's a problem. All right, what's your other yeah, question well, you want to ask, Brian, in our well, last well, couple anything, minutes? Anything, you know, just anything mummade-ish, they have, 
chances are that may not going to last a long time versus more nature nature oriented i yeah. think it's going to last a long time all right yeah yeah that's the i think that's the key can also can you see why i loved working with tom oh <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is this is like sitting at the this is all this is like i feel like i'm sitting at uh uh, I'm I'm keen uh, in in the old uh, um, kung fu. I'm I'm learning from the master to. Yes, but all of it done at a coffee shop over the best espresso. We would always get some coffee. <laughs> well, because he's Italian at heart, you said right. Yeah, exactly. He's a he's an Italian man in a Japanese body, but also because studios are boring, and you, you so we would get out of the studio and we go sit in a coffee shop with all of our confidential drawings. <laughs> Can I ask him one last question in the last couple minutes? Because yeah, uh, he he designed it, what is still an iconic collected uh, convertible, and so many convertibles are always seen as sexy and fun and cool and collectible whether it's the early Corvettes right up through the modern things. My wife has a, a Sky, a Saturn uh, um, a Sky that uh, mm -hmm. she can't ever get rid of because it's a two-seat convertible, even though they stopped making it years ago. What is it that makes these things so desirable, and, and yet why do they not last? They come and they go. Well, one, it, it brings you into part of the nature, whatever it is. It's the middle of the night, early morning, summer, winter, uh, you know, you smell the flowers, smell, you know, the field or grass. Yeah. That closest thing ever to be that would be the convertible. Right. So that's one of the attractions about a convertible. If you live through the whole four seasons, that's one of the reasons why you always want to go back to that. As Brian now, says, you're in, you're in the movie rather than once. Why do you say that? Yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like a, a hard top is like watching a movie. A convertible is like being in the movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, sensing the true. smells. And the, yeah. But they've got to be hard to sustain because they're two-seaters and they're less practical. They're yeah, cold they're, in the wintertime, and they have trouble with meeting all the safety standards with rolling over and roll bars and everything else because they don't yeah, have a hard so, roof. You know, when we were working on a project, most of the convertible are dying. Right. And everybody thought it would be dead until we came up with it. And everybody said, how did you do it? You know, we've been trying, like the guys at MG said, we've been trying to convince the management we never did. Right. So we were one of the fortunate that our management or the chairman supported us and made it happen. But what mm -hmm. was hoping for was when we don't do it, the kids today never had experience you know, sitting next to your grandpa, whatever, driving no. the convertible. No, my That's my daughter's never been in a convertible. Well, her, 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 yeah. her, my wife's car, but she. Other than that, she never goes in a convertible. My grandson's uh, so never been in a convertible. Yeah. If we didn't do it, the whole opportunity of exposing that type of a, of a car existed would be disappearing, and it's never going to happen again. So we were kind of almost more of a mission. Hmm. On a mission, yeah. On a mission yeah. to save the convertible. Does it have any hope, or has it been killed by safety standards and practicality and well, large production runs? We overcame the safety issue much better now than when we first did it. You know, we have hmm. much more freedom understanding the rules, understanding the technology, you know, improved technology. We can do a lot more. So I think basically that will be okay and then when the, we did the fourth generation bringing a lot of new newer customers and uh, our first generation is such affordable that a lot of young people coming into the field so i think for next 10 15 years i felt 
the whole thing will be okay. You know, the converter will be safe. Okay, well, I'm glad that you, you left it in safe hands here. How do you... How do you uh, how do people reach you if they want to learn more about what you're continuing to do? You're continuing to be active and teach new generations of students. How how do they reach you? Best way I guess is to uh, look at our website www.academyart.edu, and they look for a School of Industrial Design. They will find me there. Okay. Well, if you want to follow him, you yes. gotta, you got to do me out of Papa. Check out Miata Papa on Instagram because that is, he has the best design inspiration pictures on there. Because like good design, he keeps going and going and going. Oh, yeah. and, and there's a continuity yeah. between the past and the future. And there's nothing blocking his progress as we go forward here. Exactly. And he writes a skateboard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that we'll have to save I, for a future I, episode. Thank you so much, uh, Tom, for joining right. us here today. Thank here. you, Paul. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Well, you've heard it again. The people who are driven by passion, driven by design. Here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.